Good morning, everybody. And I just want to first of all say the P does not stand for the Philippines. And it does not stand for pastor. It stands for Pepperdine. All right. So thank you so much, everybody. Hey, it's good to have you all here. Thank you for joining us and all of you who are online as well. You know, I, we, we were amazed. Cheryl and I were amazed when we got to the Philippines how many people we met who said, hey, we watch you online every single weekend. We watch your services online every single weekend. And so if you're watching this morning, you know, welcome. Thank you so much. Uh, We love the Philippines. And uh, anyways, happy fall, everybody. You know, before I get uh, into the message today, I wanted to just give you a a heads up on a couple things that are going on. First of all, if you hadn't heard, on Friday morning, we received word from Pastor Caleb that the tumor that the doctors received from Catherine's brain was benign. So praise the Lord for that. I mean, thank you so much. I know they thank you so much for your prayers because I think that had everything to do with it. You know, when you get, you know, when you get a report that you've got a tumor in your brain the size of an orange, I mean, it just sends all kinds of trepidations through your mind. And to, to, to get the report that it was benign was just such a relief. Second, if you receive Pastor Greg's Inu's uh, this week, you will have learned that we were notified by the city of Torrance that our big top tent, which we have in the back, uh, is the permit for that is going to expire at the end of the month. Therefore, the tent will have to go away on September 30th. And so we were so blessed to, um, to have had it for about two years, and uh, we, we, we really are sad to see it go. But at the same time, we're thankful for why it's going away, and that's because the COVID numbers have come down very drastically. So we're, we're grateful for that. The good news, the good part about that is that we get our back parking lot. We will get it back. It will become available to us again at a time when parking for us has, uh, has been much needed. And so we're going to use, we want to use the back parking lot where the tent was situated. We want to use that, make that available to our elderly and handicapped and for those who might have mobility issues because we, last weekend, we ran out of space in the front for handicapped and elderly. So if you drive around to the back, you, we want you to have first dibs on those spaces and uh, I think that will be great. And since the tent will be coming down in a couple weeks, uh, next week after next weekend, we've opened up the Faith Center uh, for you. For those of you who are not comfortable meeting uh, inside the worship center, we've opened up the Faith Center. We've spread out the chairs a little bit. And I think, I think that you'll enjoy it there because it's, it's nice and air-conditioned. And uh, in the summer, I mean, in the winter times, you don't have to worry about putting up the heaters and, and all that and having blankets. Unfortunately for you cat lovers and dog lovers, you won't be able to bring your pet in the building unless your dog is a service animal according to the guidelines of the Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA. So according to the ADA, a service dog is trained to perform, to do work or perform a specific task for people with disabilities. And if you have a service dog that meets the definitions of the ADA, then by all means, you are absolutely welcome to bring your dog into church. Third, as uh, Pastor Dan mentioned, we are going to be celebrating our 30th anniversary or our 30th birthday next weekend. And it's going to be a great time of celebration as we reflect back on all that God has done. So whether you have been here for 30 years or whether you have been here for just 30 days, we want to invite you to join us as as we reflect back on God's goodness. And it's going to be great. We're going to have food. We're expecting a larger than usual crowd. We've added a fourth service, 
And so what we're concerned about is that a bunch of you, will, that a lot of you will all show up at the same service, all right? If you all show up at the same service, then we are not going to have enough seats for everybody because that is, as it is now, we're, we're pretty full on Sunday mornings uh, and, and, and we won't have enough food. So for planning purposes, for planning purposes, I have a favor to ask you, right? And my favor is this, can you please give us an idea what service you plan to attend? Let us know by going online what service you plan to attend and do that as soon as possible and it will help us out immensely. Uh, to make sure you have a seat, uh, once we hit the maximum attendance for any given service, that service is going to be closed to any more attenders, then you'll have to sign up for another service. And so the sooner you sign up, the more likely you will be able to get the service, uh, attend the service that you, that you want. And uh, I, right now we were checking, the numbers are filling up pretty quickly. And so, in fact, if you take a look at this QR code, I think if you actually uh, take a picture of this QR code, that will take you to our app, and you can sign up on our app, or you can sign up on our website today, or we have some folks out in the lobby today, and you can go to them, and they will actually help you sign up, especially for those of you who are not very, um, don't use all that smartphone stuff, you can sign up there. And we will have um, four services, you will have four services to choose from, the one on Saturday at 5 p.m., Sunday morning is going to be 11, uh, 8.30 in the morning instead of 9, 8.30, 11 o'clock, and 1.30 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. And the reason why we're spacing it out is to give you enough time to eat, to get people in, to get people out for parking, and also to give you time to fellowship. And kids' crew will be provided for only our Sunday morning services. And um, FYI, if, you were, uh, if you're an OG, if you were part of the original group that started with us uh, early on in, in our early days, then, then we're inviting you to attend our 1.30 uh, afternoon service because we know that many of, of you attend a different church and uh, give you a chance to attend your church and then Sunday afternoon come and join us and we'll have kind of a reunion of sorts. And, and of course, this, the 1.30 is open to everybody, but for those of you who are kind of the OG group, you know, we, we want to encourage you to come to that and we'll hang out and it'll be great. One final note, I was told that we're short on desserts for all three, all four services. So if you go online and sign up to bring a dessert because you know how much we love sweets and we love to eat, that would be awesome. So it's going to be an exciting weekend, next weekend, 30th anniversary. And so I hope to see all of you uh, here, including all of you who are online. Uh, and I hope that you'll come because the COVID numbers have come down. And if you feel more comfortable wearing double masks and a face shield, that's totally fine, although we may not recognize you. I know you will be blessed um, to have come. So uh, that's that. That's what's going on. Oh, and by the way, you know, our college ministry uh, is having a retreat this morning. Uh, over 50 uh, college students are out there, so I'm going to open up in time in just a second, and uh, we'll pray for them. Finally, uh, today, at long last, we come, I want to wrap up our series. We come to the end of our series, What We Believe, and I, I, I was figuring this out the other day. We've been in this series for more than six months. It's been about six months, probably the longest series we've ever done. And in that time, in, the la in the more than six months, we have covered all the major tenets of Scripture and I hope that, you, you know, in terms of what we believe, and I hope you have a better understanding of what we believe. And if I were to sum it up, I would tell you that what we believe, we believe the Bible, right? We believe what the Bible says about what the, what the Bible is, who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, what the church is, and a whole lot of other things. And I can't think of a better way to end this series today by telling you about what awaits us. 
when everything is said and done, right? What, what awaits us when everything is said and done? And that is the hope of heaven. And if there was ever a time when we need hope, it's today. Amen? And if there was ever a time we need to know about heaven, it is today. So let me begin with a word of prayer. Let's remember our college students because they're having their morning sessions and then they'll be making their way home later this afternoon. Well, Father, thank you so much. Now, you have been, you have outdone yourself all these last 30 years. You, you, you continue to outdo yourself in, in every area of our lives and in every area of our church. Thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. Thank you so much for your goodness to us and, and all things that have happened. Even as we have had to go through a, a really tough season of, of covid Father, you have been there for us, and we thank you for that. We thank you for the, the tent that we've been able to have. And, Lord, I, I believe you have, you know, good things in store for us as we move forward into the future. Thank you, God, for our online ministry. You know, just hearing last night from a lady in Illinois who says she was so thankful uh, for our online ministry and for her son attending our church now. Uh, so thankful that so many people in the Philippines and in Japan and all throughout the world, for that matter, are watching our services. We just praise you and thank you, God. And, and this morning as we gather, we want to remember our college students. You know, many of us have college students and they're there at the retreat. And God, we ask that, you know, the, the, the final moments there for them will be absolutely powerful and impacting and life-changing. We pray, God, that you'd bring every single student back home and, their, and the advisors back home safely later this afternoon. But God, continue to work in their hearts and continue to work in our hearts, God, as we gather today, as we hear about the hope of heaven. God, what would we do without hope and what would we do without heaven? Lord, I pray you'd speak to us today. Speak to our hearts, God. Encourage us. And so I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Thursday, August 25th, is a day that, um, that we'll never forget. Not because that was the day that Cheryl and I um, left for the Philippines, but because that was the day that we had to put our little coconut down. This is coconut, and she had been declining in health for some time, and uh, she got to the point where she couldn't see because of cataracts, and she couldn't hear, uh, and her walk had become unstable, and she'd become restless, and Cheryl would have to stay up with her, um, up with her many nights. And in the days leading up to um, our departure, she collapsed twice, and uh, we thought she was having a seizure, and, and she wasn't, but it was terribly frightening. And so for these reasons, we knew that the time had come to say goodbye to her. And so taking her to the vet that morning on the day of our trip was uh, one of the hardest things we've ever had to do. Um, as we said our goodbyes, I'll never forget her uh, sweet face as she licked her lips, and we bawled our eyes out. In fact, as I wrote this, I couldn't stop crying, and I, you know, I broke down last night, and I'm going to try to get through this uh, twice more today, but and I never thought that losing her would be so uh, painful and would affect me the way that it has. You know, later that evening, we kissed our daughters goodbye, and then we flew off to the Philippines, and uh, and we did so with, with a uh, broken and heavy hearts. And to be honest with you, if I were to be completely honest with you, we didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to go to the Philippines. I didn't want to go anywhere because the way that we looked at it, we, the way that we saw it, we, we had lost a member of our family that day. And we just wanted to be with our family. And we wanted to be with 
our, you know, coconut's brother, Carmel. And as it turned out, the, the trip was a huge success, and I'll tell you about that in coming weeks, but, and we're glad we went, but, but losing coconut was just so gut-wrenching, I can't even begin to describe it. And those of you who've lost pets know, understand what I'm, what I'm feeling, what we're feeling, and what I'm talking about. But it was just another reminder that we live in a broken world. We live in a world where there's so much sadness and there's so many tears. And it just seems nonstop because there's separation, because there is death in this world, because there is disease, because there is divorce and families are ripped apart and kids have gone wayward. We live in a world of sadness and grief and crying and pain because there's so much loss. Um, there's lawlessness and crime and war that affects our loved ones. There's rape and incest and sex trafficking. And there's all manner of sexual immorality that does nothing but bring destruction. There's addiction and suicide and selfishness and greed. And there's anger and hate. There, there's cancer and there are viruses, Alzheimer's and mental illness and isolation and loneliness and anxiety and depression and so many more. And, and there probably isn't a one of you, there probably isn't a one of you, even out um, online, who's watching online, who, who doesn't know someone who is struggling big time with some of these things that I listed. And, and it might even be you. The truth is there's no such thing as happily ever after. That's only, that's only in the movies. But here's what's interesting. God hardwired us to live happily ever after. Did you know that? God hardwired you to live happily ever after. He created us to live forever. Ecclesiastes 3.11 is the first verse I want to show you. And I hope you'll take out a pad of paper as well to take notes or take pictures of some of these things if you want. Or you can always go back and watch again. But Ecclesiastes 3.11, Solomon wrote this. He said, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Well, there it is right there in the middle of this verse. He has put eternity into man's heart. God affixed into everyone's DNA a sense that there's more to life than just this. There's more to life than just this. He implanted into every human heart this innate sense that we were meant to live forever, that God created us to live forever. That's why if you go back to even the earliest civilizations, and whether in Mesopotamia or Egypt or China or India, you will find that they worshipped all kinds of deities, all kinds of gods, whether they be birds or fishes or dogs or cats, and who knows what else, because God hardwired them to live forever. They knew that there was something out there. They just didn't get it right. He, pl he placed, God placed forever inside of us, inside of you. And then the devil showed up. And over the centuries, over these thousands of years, he has skillfully lied and deceived people into believing that eternity is found in believing in a plethora of false gods and religions or in nothing at all. That's where eternity is. And it doesn't matter to him what you believe in as long as it's not the Bible. And as a result, people, so many people don't believe in eternity. So many people don't believe in, in heaven. And if they do, they don't live like it. They certainly don't live like it. You know, author Paul Tripp, he's one of my favorite writers, 
said in his book, Forever, that we suffer today, we suffer today from a constant state of eternity amnesia. He said, we suffer from eternity amnesia. And he says, we have gone from the words of Benjamin Franklin's epitaph. Here's his epitaph. We've gone from this. Franklin wrote, the body of Benjamin Franklin, printer like the cover of an old book, its contents torn out and script of its lettering and gilding, lies here, food for worms. But the work shall not be lost, for it will, as he believed, appear once more in a new and more elegant edition, revised and corrected by the author. That was his epithet. And Paul Tripp said, we've gone from that, we've gone from that to this. The bitter words of the best-selling novelist Frank McCord who wrote, I had to get rid of any idea of hell or any idea of afterlife. That's what held me and kept me down. And we've gone to this, the words of University of Minnesota professor Paul Zachary Myers who wrote, that is the godless view of death. It's an end, not a transition. It deserves all the sorrow the living bring to it and the absurd attempts of believers to soften it with lies or a contemptible disservice to the life that is over. We've gone from Franklin's epitaph to this. And this is the prevailing worldview, that there is no God, that there is no heaven, that there is no eternity. And that's why, that explains why we are so self-absorbed, so self-obsessed, so entitled. It's why people live only for themselves as if they are the center of the universe. It's eternity amnesia. And Tripp said that this is why you will never hear the nightly news anchor close his or her broadcast with words like this. And he, he used Katie Kirk because the book is a little bit older and she's no longer a news anchor. So I'll use David Muir. But he said, you'll never hear the, the nightly news anchor like David Muir say, close his broadcast by saying, I know things often look bleak and chaotic, but remember, this is not all there is. We are all heading for eternity where all that is broken will finally and forever be fixed. This is David Muir reporting for ABC News World Tonight. Good night and God bless you. Paul Tripp said you will never hear words like that because people don't have an eternal perspective. They have eternity amnesia. You know, one of the most remarkable statements ever made by Jesus was shared with his disciples on the night that he was betrayed. Um, the, the night before he was crucified, but on the night, you know, the night before he was betrayed and crucified. And, and the words that he spoke were about eternity. Turn to John chapter 14. The Lord was in the upper room. He was in the upper room with his disciples. It's Thursday night. The Passover is about upon them. And the disciples, remember he washed his, their feet in, in the upper room. But they had this foreboding sense that Something bad was about to happen. And here's what Jesus said to them on that night. John 14, verse 1. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. He knew their hearts were troubled. And so he said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. I'm going to stop right there. First, Jesus acknowledged that their hearts were troubled. He knew that because he was God. He was, um, he was you know, all-knowing. So he exhorted them to have faith. Believe in God and believe in me, he said. And then, this is really what I want to get to, he reminded them 
of eternity. He reminded them about heaven. In the midst of their distress, he told them about heaven because he knew that that would be the one thing that could keep them together. That would be the one thing that they could hold on to. That would be the one thing that would give them hope no matter what happened. And this passage, the fact that he told them about heaven to give them hope, reminds me of the true story of a, a boy who was badly burned in a fire. This little boy was badly burned. He was in the burn unit of his hospital. He was hospitalized in excruciating pain. The boy couldn't attend school. And so when the school heard about the little boy's plight, they, they didn't want him to fall behind. And, and they had a program to help kids keep up with their schoolwork while they were sick. And so this, they sent a teacher to the hospital to meet with a boy. And she walked into the room and she was absolutely stunned by the sight of the boy. She put her game face on and, and then she nervously spoke to the boy. And she said to him, hi, John, I'm Miss Smith and I'm here from your school and I'm here to teach you math and English because we don't want you to fall behind in class. And she, when she was done, she left and she didn't feel like it went very well. But she went back the next day. And when she went back the next day, as soon as the nurse saw her, she said, to, she said to the teacher, what did you do to that boy? Oh, no, no, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And, and, and she started to apologize, and the nurse said, no, 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 that's not, you don't understand, you don't understand. We've been worried about that little boy. But ever since yesterday, uh, his whole attitude has changed, and for the first time, he's fighting back and responding to treatments. It's, it's as if he decided to live. Well, weeks later, the boy explained that he had completely give up, given up hope until the teacher arrived. He put it this way. He said, they wouldn't send a teacher to dying boy, would they? And so it was that teacher who gave him hope. In the same way, Jesus told his disciples about eternity so they would have hope. And here's what he said to them about heaven. Take a look at John 14 again. First in verse 2, he called heaven his father's house. Hey, it is my father's house. Heaven is my father's house because heaven is where God is. And it's where Jesus is. Psalm 115, I will go through these very quickly with you, put them up here. Psalm 115, 3 says, our God is in heaven. He is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. Psalm 11, verse 4 says, the Lord is in his holy temple and the Lord's throne is in heaven. God is in heaven. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16? That's the verse that we're very familiar with here. Jesus said, in, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in what? In heaven. God is in heaven. Heaven is where God is. Heaven is the Father's house. And where is heaven? Well, from where we sit, heaven is up. Heaven is up. Psalm 33, verse 13 says, The Lord looks down from heaven. He looks down from heaven, which means heaven is up. He looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of, men, of man from where he sits enthroned. He looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. See, this verse tells us that heaven is up. We don't know where it's, it is, where how, how high, high up it is. But I can tell you it's so high up that SpaceX can't get us there. And the James Webb Telescope, it's so high up that James Webb Telescope can't take pictures of it. Yet you could be there, you will be there in a nanosecond, you will be there in the twinkling of an eye when your heart beats for the very last time. When your heart beats for the very last time, you will be in heaven. God will take you right to heaven. So heaven is where God is and heaven is up. Third, heaven is a place. Heaven is a place. Heaven isn't the figment of someone's imagination. Heaven is an actual place. And one of these days, the Bible says, heaven is going to get a makeover. Can you believe that? 
I need a makeover, not heaven. But heaven's going to get a makeover. Not only that, the Bible says the earth is going to get a makeover. They're both going to get a makeover. And the earth certainly needs a makeover because the earth is pretty messed up, right? But according to the scriptures, this will occur, the makeover will occur around a thousand years after the second coming. All right, so we're living in the church age, and then the, the rapture is going to occur, the rapture of the church. We don't know that, when that's going to be. It could be at any time. And then after the, uh, the, the rapture of the church, then there's going to be that seven-year tribulation period. And then after the seven-year tribulation period, this, there will be the second coming. And then a thousand-year Christ millennial reign. And after that, the earth and heaven will make, get a makeover. Here's what Revelation 21, verse 1 through 3 says about that. The Apostle John wrote, when I saw a new heaven and a new earth, there it is. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and for the, for the first heaven and the first, for the, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. You can stop right there. So one day, this dazzling city, heaven will be remade, and it will be called the New Jerusalem. This dazzling city will come down from heaven to earth. And I don't believe the earth will look anything like it does when this happens. It'll look anything like it does today. It will be completely remade as well. And when the city comes down, the New Jerusalem comes down to earth, it says God will dwell, come to dwell with man. In other words, heaven will come to earth. Can you believe that? Heaven is going to come to earth. Heaven, which is up there, is going to come down to earth and it will dwell with man. And heaven, and it says here, heaven will be a city. It's going to be a city. And in verse 16, John remarkably, he remarkably gives us the dimensions of the city. He gives us the dimensions. Revelation 21, 16 says the city lies four square and its length, the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. Okay, stadia in this verse is a Greek measurement. And the Greek word for stadia is stadion. That's where we get the word stadium, right? And one stadia is equivalent to 660 feet. We'll put that up here for you. One stadia is equivalent to 660 feet. Notice it says that heaven is 12,000 stadia. So if you multiply 660 feet times 12,000, you get 7,920,000 feet. So 12,000 stadia would be 7,920,000 feet or 1,500 miles. That's how long 7,920,000 feet is, it's 1,500 miles. And if you look at Revelation 21, 16 again, it says, it says that heaven is 12,000 stadia long, 12,000 stadia wide, and 12,000 stadia high, which means it is 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, and 1,500 miles high. It's a cube. It's three-dimensional. I mean, it, heaven is massive. 1,500 by 1,500 by 1,500 miles is more than 3 million cubic miles. And think about, And I want you to think about this, all right? I'm going to give you a... This is not in the scriptures, all right? And it's gonna, this is my crazy mind going off. Well, think about this. The, the, the average building, right? One story of an average building is 10 feet. Right? So if you have a two-story building, that would be 20 feet. If you have a 10-story building, that would be 100 feet. If you had a 
20-story building, that would be 200 feet because each story, each floor is 10 feet. All right, now, a building that is 12,000 stadia high would have 792,000 stories or 792,000 floors. Uh, I think we're going to put that up there. There it is right there, okay? Uh, 12,000 stadia is equivalent to 792,000 floors. Think about that, right? The tallest building in Los Angeles is the Grand Wilshire Center. This building right here, it's got 73 stories, 73 floors, right? A building with 792,000 floors would be equivalent to taking 10,850 of these buildings and stacking them one on top of the other, 10,850 of these buildings to get to 792,000 floors. That's how tall it is. But it's not just tall, it's wide and it's high, right? That's how huge heaven is. And a building, uh, and, and, and uh, when I ask you this, I mean, you have any idea how large each floor would be, right? Because it goes in all directions. Each floor in this scenario, according to this scenario, each floor would be 62,726,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,
no more fear, no more loneliness, no more addiction, no more divorce, because there will be no more sin. There will be no more death. There will be no more death, no, no more hospice, no more morphing, no more suicides, no more overdoses, no more homicides, no more cardiac arrests, no more people starving to death, no more traffic fatalities, no more wakes, no more funerals, no more memorial services to attend. And there will be no more pain, no more physical pain from cancer. There will be no more back pain or neck pain or hip pain or shoulder pain, no more pain from arthritis in your hands. And there won't be any more emotional pain, the pain of losing a loved one or even a pet. There will be no more broken hearts. And Revelation 22, 3 says, there will be no more curse upon the earth. The curse upon the earth brought about by sin will be lifted. And there will be no more brokenness because of sin. There will be no more earthquakes and no more mudslides and no more tornadoes and typhoons and natural disasters. I mean, do you, do you understand what all this means? I mean, the, the implications are mind-boggling. They're mind-boggling. First, it means, it means that whatever you're going through, whatever you're going through won't last forever. It won't last forever. All the bad that you're going through won't last forever. All of the suffering won't last forever. All of your hardships, all of your adversities won't last forever. And the brokenness and the sin in your own life and my own life won't last forever. Amen. Right? I can't wait for that. You see, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's called heaven. It's called eternity. You see, this world is not all that there is. This is not all that there is. There is so much more. And if you believe this is all there is, the Bible says you are to be pitied. If you believe this is all that there is, then well, well then it just makes sense to me why you think you have to live and grab all the gusto you can. If this is all you think that there is, then I can understand why you live the way you do. But this isn't all that there is. See, God didn't create you just to be born and then to have to go to school and then to get a job and to make money and to get married and to have a family, retire, and die, and that's it. No, there's so much more than that. There is eternity. Therefore, don't live for just the things of this world. Live for what's coming. And with regards to all the junk that we have to do in this life, Paul says something he, he, that I think will just bless you. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 4.17. With regards to all the junk that we have to go through, Paul said this, he said, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. According to MacArthur, the Greek word for light means a weightless trifle. For this momentary for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all. Light means weightless trifle. You ought to write that down, right? And then the word weight refers to a heavy mass. It refers to a heavy mass. In other words, what Paul was saying was the sufferings that we experience in this world are a weightless trifle. They're a weightless trifle lasting only for a brief moment compared to the heavy weight of glory that awaits us. Amen, right? 
Put another way, your future glory far outweighs whatever it is that you're going through today. Far outweighs whatever it is you're suffering with today. This is so good. And that's why we should do as Paul said, and that is not look to the things that are seen, but we need to look to the things that are unseen. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And you know what else eternity means? You know what else it means? It means that we don't have to live our lives in fear of what will happen to us after we die. Right? Because we know where we're going. We know what awaits us. You know, the fact of the matter is a lot of people are afraid of dying, and some of them should be. The way they live, they should be afraid of dying. You know, recently I heard a great message by Pastor David Jeremiah about death. And he said that there are three kinds of death. Let me tell you what he said. First, he said there's physical death, right? We, that, we all know that, right? There's physical death. And he said physical death is nothing more than being separated from your soul and spirit, right? When your soul and spirit, well, I believe with the show, your soul and spirit are the same. Your soul and spirit is the real you. That's the real you. When your soul and spirit leave your body, that's called death. That's physical death. He said the second type of death is spiritual death. Spiritual death is caused by sin, Isaiah 59, verse 2 says, But your iniquities or your sins have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face, and, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. So sin separates us from God. And that leads to spiritual death. And here's the problem: everyone is born spiritually dead. No one is born a Christian. No one is born with God. We're all born spiritually because of sin. And it's, it's only when you come to play a faith in Jesus Christ, when you come to believe in Jesus, that you will be born again, that you will have spiritual life. The third type of death that D David Jeremiah describes is what he called the second death. Even though he listed it as the third, he describes it, it's, it's called a second death because that's what it's called in the scriptures, found in Revelation 20, verse 13 through 15. Now this happens, I'm going to read it to you. This happens right before the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven. And here's what happens. Revelation 20, verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. That's hell. This is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. The Apostle John describes this as a second death. This is when all the wicked, all the unbelievers over all time will be cast into hell, into the lake of fire. This is the worst thing that could ever happen to anyone. To be cast into hell forever. It's the worst thing that could ever happen. Right? Where you will suffer and, and be tormented for, the, for all eternity. So the first type of death is physical death. When your body is separated from your soul and spirit. Second type of death is when your soul uh, and spirit are separated from God. And the third type of death is called a second death. Is when you're separated from God. When that spiritual death, number two, continues on and on forever and ever and ever. And you're cast into hell, separated from God for forever. That's, those are the three deaths he described. And then, the good news is, if you're born again, and born again is a term that's found in John chapter 3, but when you're born again, which means when you experience spiritual rebirth, in other words, when you come to faith in Jesus, when you put your faith in Jesus, you know, John says we are, re we are born again. 
When you put your faith in Jesus, then you will never be separated from God, right? Jesus put it this way in John 11, 25 and 26. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies physically, yet shall he live spiritually because and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus said, even though you die physically, you will live spiritually with him in heaven if you put your faith in him. And I love the way Dr. Jeremiah summed it all up. He said, if you want to live forever, if you want to live forever in heaven, you have to have two birthdays. Get this, okay? This is so good. He says, if you want to live forever, you have to have two birthdays. You have to have your physical birthday, right? You all have a physical birthday, right? Check, got that one, right? Mine's in January. And you also have to have a second birthday, a spiritual birthday, when you came to know Jesus, right? My spiritual birthday is October the 10th. I'll tell you that one, right? October the 10th. You don't need to give me a birthday present for that, right? But if you want to live forever, you've got to have two birthdays, a physical birthday and a spiritual birthday. And um, he said, if, and then he said this, and I'm going to put this quote up here for you. You can take a picture of this quote. He said, if you are only born once, you will have to die twice. In other words, if, if you're only born once, you will have to die twice. If you're only born physically, then you will have to die twice. Meaning, um, you will die physically, after which you will die spiritually and you'll be separated from God. And then he goes on to say, but if you are born twice, if you're born physically and then you're born spiritually, you're born again, you will only have to think of dying once. Because after you die physically, you will live forever. And you won't die again. You will live forever. And what a great statement, right? If you're only, if you're only born once, you will have to die twice. But if you're only born twice, you, will only, you only have to think about dying once. And get this, if the rapture occurs in our lifetime, in your lifetime, you will never die. How's that, right? You will never die. So let's just hope and pray that the rapture happens in our lifetime, right? The, the point is, eternity is everything. Heaven is everything. Heaven is why you don't have to live in fear about what will happen to you after you die. So i got to ask you, have you been born twice or have you only been born once, Right? If you've been born twice, if you've been born twice, if you've been born twice, then you only have to die once. Born physically? Yep, check. Born again through faith in Jesus? Check. I hope so. I hope so. If you haven't been born twice, be born again today. Ask Jesus to come into your heart. Tell him you believe in him, and you will be born again. It's actually that simple. And then after you die, you will live forever. I want to close by taking you back to the passage I opened with John 14, 1, 1 through 3 again. Take a look at that again. Because Jesus says something here that has just intrigued me over, over, over all these years. Let me just start it in verse, read it starting in verse 2. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many rooms. All right? So heaven's got rooms. It doesn't have floors. All right? In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Would I have told you that? No. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus told his disciples that he was going back to prepare a place for them. I've always been fascinated by this phrase because it conjures up, is, is conjured up images of Jesus 
you know, with an apron, with a duster, with a vacuum cleaner, going to heaven and just kind of getting everything ready, right? Just getting heaven ready to clean it all up, to get it ready for our arrival. That's kind of what I, I've always pictured. It's like, what, what does he have to do in heaven to get it, get it ready, to get it ready for us? I've always wondered about that. Now, on the flip side of this, if you think about it, heaven is, is ready, is already ready, he, heaven, because heaven is perfect, right? I mean, there isn't, there isn't anything to prepare that as far as I know, and that's why this verse never made any sense to me. And then I thought about what Jesus said, did, what Jesus did the day after he spoke these words to his disciples. What did he do the day after he spoke these words to his disciples? Well, the very next morning, early in the morning, he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then they took him and they tried him, several trials. And then they beat him to a pulp. And then they forced him to carry his cross to Golgotha. And then he was crucified. Three days later, he was raised from the dead. If you think about it, if you think about it, what he did on that Friday, the very next day, and on that Sunday, is what made it possible for us to go to heaven. Think about that. What he did made it possible for us to go to heaven. If Jesus didn't die, and if Jesus wasn't raised, there'd be no heaven. There'd be no eternal life, and there'd be no way for us to get there. And thus, I believe that when Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you, he wasn't referring to going to heaven to prepare a place for us. He was referring to his arrest, his trial, his beating, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. Because what he did on that Friday and Sunday prepared the way for us to go to heaven. That's what he was referring to when he said, I go and prepare a place for you. I'm about to die, but I'm going to be raised from the dead. And by, the, and, and by me doing that, you will be able to go to heaven. And that's why he said two verses later, now it makes sense. That's why he said two verses later in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's why he said that. Because he went to prepare a place. Because it was because of what he did that you get to go to heaven. The only way to, and the only way to get to heaven, the only way to, to go to heaven is through him. So, don't forget, God hardwired you to live forever. He hardwired you for eternity, to live happily ever after. But so many people have eternity amnesia. And if you believe in Jesus, but if you believe in Jesus, you will live eternally. If you believe in him, if you put your trust in him, you will go to heaven one day. And if you haven't done that already, do it today. Tell him today that you believe in him and you will go to heaven. And then remember this, that when life gets hard, and it may be hard even now for many of you, don't forget that it won't last forever. It won't last forever. Remember that it's a weightless trifle compared to the heavy weight of glory that awaits you. And remember that one day, when you get to heaven, there will be no mores. No mores. So put your hope in heaven, church. Don't lose heart. Keep the faith and keep looking up. Let's close our time in prayer. As you bow your heads and close your eyes, even those of you who are perhaps under the tent or 
in the lobby or watching at home, I want to I ask you again. Have you been born twice? Well, I know you've been born once. But have you been born again? Because you put your faith in Jesus. If you're not sure, or if you never have put your faith in Christ, then do it right now. Right now. And the way you do it, you don't have to jump through a whole bunch of hoops. All you need to do is tell him. We call that prayer, just talking to God. Just tell him, God, say this, God, I believe in you. And I believe Jesus was your son. And I believe he came to earth to die on a cross and to be raised from the dead to prepare the way for me to go to heaven. I believe, I believe, I give you my life. Will you say that to him? If you said that to him, you've been born again. You've been born twice, which means now you only have to think about dying once or if the rapture occurs, you'll never die. You will live forever. Father, thank you for the gift of eternal life. Thank you for heaven. And it truly is the only hope that we have. Because Lord, to be honest, life is tough. Life is hard. Life is difficult. Life is heartbreaking. And we're so often moved to tears or just feel like we can't go on. For all of my brothers and sisters who are here today, who are watching online, for all those who are struggling, Father, remind them that what they're going through is just a weightless trifle compared to the heavy weight of glory that awaits them. And so therefore, give them the strength, give them the endurance, give them the faith to keep going on and gather around them people in the church to encourage them, to spur them on to love and good deeds. So Father, we thank you for the hope of heaven. Lord, what would we do without heaven? What would we do without you? We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.